if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. An hour number two is underway at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Wednesday, the 18th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord 2020. Appreciate you being with us. We are talking about your rights today. We are talking about our God given and, yes, uh, man written words, uh, rights rather, uh, put into words that. Uh, prevent people like Mike DeWine from doing what he did to us yesterday. Prevents people like Governor Tom Wolf from doing what he's doing to Pennsylvanians. Prevents people like Gavin Newsom, like Jay Inslee, like uh, uh, like uh, Andrew Cuomo, and on down the line. We have rights that have been given to us by God that, again, have been put into word for all of us to understand by our founding fathers, and they are absolutely inalienable. These rights are not malleable either. They are not able to be bended or uh, bent, <laughs> excuse me, or able to be uh, changed in any way to suit the mood of the day. Oh, we're afraid today. There's a pandemic. There's a health crisis that we like to call it. We're afraid today. So the constitutional rights that you have been given by God are suspended. You can't move freely. You can't operate your business. You can't go to work. You can't drive on the roads. You can't be here or there or anywhere. We say you cannot because we're afraid today. The mood of the day is fear. What's tomorrow's mood going to be? What's the mood going to be a month from now? What's the mood going to be a couple of years from now? And if we accept the Constitution being crumpled, if not outright shredded, just a little bit at a time, if we accept that today, it will be that much easier for our rights to be taken from us tomorrow. This is what the left doesn't understand. This is what the shallow thinkers, the short-sighted people on the left say, oh, you know, what do you mean wearing a mask is a violation of your rights? Yes, it is. It's a violation of our First Amendment rights, no question about it. Oh, that's just stupid. People are getting sick, and all they're asking you to do is put a piece of cloth on your face to help keep other people healthy, and you're talking about the Constitution. This is, it's not about the cloth it's not about the masks it's not about the individual particular liberty that is being just chipped away at now it is about the one that follows and the one that follows that and it becomes easier and easier and easier i said it at the beginning of the show it's that proverbial frog comfortable soothing 
relaxing in some nice warm water. Oh, my goodness. It's so much warmer than the pond was when I sat on the lily pad and dove in. That was cold. This is nice and comfortable. Wow. It's getting even a little bit warmer now. (laughs) Getting a little bit uncomfortable here. Wow. It's still, it's getting even warmer. And it goes on and on and on until you don't realize what has happened to you. And that is where we are. Right now, we're sitting in warm water. And we cannot just accept that. And again, I will admit and acknowledge my own mistake. I call it a mistake, call it a brain crack. I mean, I don't know. All I know is yesterday I was expecting Mike DeWine to say, either yesterday or today, that all businesses were closed, schools were being closed for in-person learning, school sports are being canceled, uh, You know, and we were going back to the essential businesses only as he sees them. And when he didn't do that, I said, oh, well, well, this isn't so bad. I can live with that. You don't live with that. You don't live with that. I was wrong to make that generalization. As I said also in the last hour, it's a very sad state of affairs when we have to compare levels of tyranny from one state to the next to make ourselves feel better about the tyranny that we are enduring. I want to say something else before I go back to the phones, and we are guest-free today, so we're going to have plenty of time for your phone calls. Dial them up, 216-901-0945, First-time callers get preference. Business owners also get preference. Move to the front of the line as we talk about uh, what uh, uh, you face if uh, the next step is indeed taken. And by the way, that's one of the other things I said. So while I admit being wrong, I will also acknowledge Uh, The fact that I said I fully expect Mike DeWine to do the rest of, you know, the steps, take the rest of the steps the way the other governors have probably after this three-week period is over. So, But nonetheless, uh, I do want to talk to business owners as well. But before I do any of that, before we get to the phone calls, before we talk about those liberties again, today is November 18th, and that makes it the anniversary of one of the most remarkable, unbelievable, tragic incidents in American history, quite frankly. Over 900 people lost their lives in 1978 on this date. You know what I'm talking about, probably. November 18th, 1978 was the day of the 900-person-plus strong mass murder-slash-mass suicide at Jonestown in Guyana. Jim Jones, the People's Temple leader. Now, I was a child. I was 11 years old when all this went down. I didn't pay attention to it in real time, obviously. Might have if it was 24-hour news cycles the way we have today and Internet and so forth, but... Um, at age 11, of course, you know, back in 1978, if it wasn't something you happened to see when your parents had the news on, you didn't know about it. But I know a lot about it since then. And I have studied this to some extent. I've read a couple of books. I've read a lot of the news and the press coverage from the mainstream media newspapers at the time as they covered Jim Jones. And I bring this up today, not just to do on this day in history, Jim Jones led 900 cult members to their deaths. No, that's not what I'm doing here. I want to use this as a warning, I guess. 
Most people know about Jim Jones as a quote-unquote reverend of the People's Temple, which started out in Indiana before moving west to San Francisco, where there are a whole lot more willing sheep um, to come into his church. Uh, most people know about that aspect of it, and they say Jim Jones was a reverend, but really he was a cult leader. And these people were religious cult members who followed him to the jungles of Guyana when the heat got just a little bit too hot um, in the United States in terms of uh, some of the investigations that were being done into Jim Jones and his church for reported incidents of abuse of the membership to theft to you know all kinds of really horrific things. So they fled to Guyana where they wouldn't be under you know federal or uh, American law jurisdiction. So most people just know about it from the standpoint of the religious aspect, the religious cult that we hear about, right? Some people even compare it <coughs> to a degree to David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Obviously, the way they died, a different story in terms of the government at, uh, at Waco, but some people say that it's like that. And what I want, the warning I want to give to you that I use on this anniversary of the death of all of those individuals in Guyana is you need to know that it was about a lot more than religion. The Jonestown People's Agricultural Project in Guyana, and in fact, the entirety of the church, the People's Temple Church, from Indiana to San Francisco and eventually to Guyana, was an exercise in socialism. Some people don't realize that. There's a reason why he called it the People's Temple. There's a reason why Jim Jones was being investigated by federal authorities before he left for Guyana with all of these people. Because he was practicing voluntary socialism. He was practicing national socialism on a smaller scale. And he had all of these people believing in what left-wingers believe today and what 70-plus million of them voted for in the Biden-Harris presidential ticket, and what millions of them support in Bernie Sanders and uh, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez and others. These people bought into the notion that the collective and the community taking care of all of the individuals who would surrender their individual wealth, everything that they own, their individual property rights, they would surrender all of those because the community would take care of them. The government of the People's Temple. Jim Jones and his leadership circle literally robbed these people blind willingly, meaning the people were willing. They were told, if you give us all of your money, empty your bank accounts, Sell your homes. Give the, the deed to us. You will never need anything else again. The people's temple will take care of you. We will make sure you're fed. We will go to a place that we will build and design ourselves. Your medica medi med uh, medications will be covered. <clears throat> your uh, hospitalization services will be taken care of. Your food will be taken care of. Your lodging will be taken care of. We will give it all to you from the collective. 
And the people said, yes, Lord, that's what I want to be a part of. And they sold the people on this socialist model in the people's temple. They sold them on the basis of, are you ready for it? Social justice. They sold the people on racial justice. They told African Americans, you don't have a place in this white supremacist world. In the United States, you're never going to get a fair shake. Here, we will treat you equally. In fact, everybody will be equal. And everybody will be given the same thing. And a lot of black church churchgoers said, yes, let me in. White San Francisco liberals. And yes, a large portion of them, the gay community, listened to Jim Jones saying, you don't have justice here. You don't have social justice. You aren't equal. You don't have the same rights that other people do. Do you realize that? Do you realize that if you come with us, you will have justice. You will be equal. And the people said, yes, I will give up my home. I will give up my, my, my property, my, my wealth, whatever savings I have, my clothes, and I will dedicate myself to this community and we will care for one another. And they all went to the jungle. And when they first got there, they said, wow, look at this. Look at the incredible community that we have built. We've got agricultural uh, uh, agriculture being practiced here. We've got crops growing. We've got a medical center. We've got all of these things. We've got this big community center. We've got a little housing. This is exactly what I was dreaming of. This is utopia. Until what happened? Until the big government, the Reverend Jim Jones and his inner circle, couldn't feed them all. They had built a community there for no more than four to 500 people. They had double that. They didn't have the space. They didn't have the food. They didn't have the medical supplies. And the people were forced to work 18-hour days in the fields. The people were brutalized by authoritarian type of discipline. They were buried in holes. If they broke the rules and didn't follow what the state told them to do. So what I, the reason I share this with you today on the anniversary of Jonestown and the, the anniversary of the death, the mass murder, and yes, it was a mass murder and mass suicide. Many took the, the Kool-Aid willingly. Others had to have it forcefully injected. Their children were forcefully injected. Other people did so only at the point of a gun. So it's mass murder and mass suicide. But on this anniversary... I want you to remember Jonestown, and I want you to know it wasn't just a religious cult. It was a socialist movement. People bought into the, hey, the real world isn't fair to you. We will take care of you mindset. The government will take care of you. You will want for nothing. Everyone will be treated equally as the government, or in this case, again, the reverend and his team sees fit. You will be given what we think you need. And, excuse me, and as with socialism on a grander scale in nations around the world that have practiced it and tried it, it always looks great at the beginning until you run out of other people's money. There's no more money to come in when the people have already been soaked for everything they have, when their property rights have been surrendered, when their wealth has been donated. 
when the people have nothing more to give and there's nothing more you can take in and you cannot provide for the people, what happens? The people suffer. Either they suffer in starvation and without running water in places like Venezuela, or they suffer next to a vat of discount Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. At the end of the day, socialism always ends up in the same place, whether it's macro or micro. Never let the lessons of November 18th, 1978 be forgotten, even though based on the results of this election, or at least the theft of this election, it's pretty evident that those lessons have been forgotten. I'll be right back. Let's get the show on the road, baby. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1036 on this Wednesday, 24 minutes of outstanding awesome left in this program. Let's make it count. We'll go to Chuck in North Ridgeville. 216-901-0945 is the number number to dial. Chuck knew it, dialed it, and he's on next. Hi, Chuck, go ahead. Yeah, good morning, Bob. That was a great story about People's Temple because that shows what happens with the incremental loss of our rights. People will be murdered. I mean, this is, it, this is crazy. Uh, our Especially found, when the people choose to surrender those rights. They chose exactly. to surrender their rights, their freedom, their property, their wealth. Uh, like I said, they chose it, it just saying, I put my trust in the leadership to provide for me, because that's what they promised. And the leadership in the Temple's case was Jim Jones. The leadership in this case, quite frankly, is the American left, the Democrat Party that is pushing the same exact socialist policies, using the same exact fear tactics about social justice, racial justice, and so forth, the same exact thing that they fell for uh, at the People's Temple. We are falling for, not we, but the left is forcing upon us, and people are choosing it to say, yeah, I'll go along with that. Uh, sounds good. Socialism sounds great. The same exact way. It's amazing. And we're falling into that trap when we do not violate these mandates. It's ridiculous. There's all kinds of things you can do. I do it all the time. I know where to shop, who not to shop with. I canceled a cruise. I let my wife cut my hair. I get pizza, and they say, well, you should wear a mask. I said, well, I don't. And they say nothing else. People will understand that this is unreasonable, but it takes guts. We have to start violating these mandates. No one has been arrested. Nobody has been thrown in jail. And that gentleman, like, who was pulling through to get his car, uh, uh, you know, the e-check? The e-check, yeah. That's open. He should have sat and said, call the Westlake cops. I'm not going anywhere. I want this done. You know something, Bob? The cops arrest me for not wearing a mask. I'm on the news. Well, here's the thing, my friend. Uh, you're right, I know, first of I all. Know. First of all, no, 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 you don't know, because I'm about to agree with everything you said and then just kind of uh, underscore it. Okay. 
It has to be on a grand scale because they will come and arrest one person. They will arrest one person and make one person's life miserable. They may do it to two or three people and a $500 fine for this and a court date. You got to miss work and all the rest of that nonsense you got to go through. And they'll do it to a small handful of people. But if we do it en masse, if we do it by the thousands, if we all say, I'm going to the restaurant and the restaurant says, I'm going to be open. I'm going to stay. I'm going to go work out. The gym says I'm open. They cannot. And they would not because politically it would destroy them. They cannot try to arrest thousands of people and shut down hundreds of th- or thousands of businesses that are, that are going to say, no, no more. We are going to live as freely as the Constitution says we can. It but, takes but, but a massive amount of people it, to do that. Bob, we're not even testing it, though. I mean, I see more people wearing masks. That's the wrong way to go. Well, you know, you're sense. right. You're right about that, too. But, but, and here's the part about that. And, Chuck, thanks for the phone call. The fear that the government and certain scientists working for the government have, has put into the heads and hearts of people is real. They have them terrified of getting sick. They think if they get sick, they're going to die. Or if they get sick, they don't die, they're going to make somebody in their family die. And that fear is real. And when you can make the fear real in the minds and in the hearts of people, they will accept anything you tell them to make it not happen. You're going to die, or your grandma's going to die, Mike DeWine says over and over and over again, if you get coronavirus and you pass it on to her, or grandpa's going to die. And people say, oh, my God, I don't want that to happen. What can I do? And the governor says, wear a mask. Oh, thank you, Connor. You just saved my grandma's life. Of course I'll wear a mask. And they don't have to know the science. And they don't have to know the, the complete garbage that is behind that. They don't have to know that the droplets and the particles that they talk about of the virus are much smaller than the, uh, than the, uh, the, what do you want to call this? The gaps or the space or whatever you want to call it in the, in a cloth for crying out loud. That's not to say that the N95 masks might work a little bit better, but they're just saying wear a face covering. And it's garbage, and people don't bother to find out if it's garbage. They don't bother to learn because they're so happy to be told that they can save somebody's life, save grandma's life by wearing a mask. So fear is driving a lot of people to give, take leave of their common sensibilities. And that's the most dangerous thing in the world. That's the most dangerous thing in the world. Scare a population into compliance. And that's why you might have people who really do want to disobey. They might want to be engaged in this civil disobedience, but they're just so scared. And if they're not scared, their wives are scared. And if they're not scared, their coworkers are scared. Other family members are telling them, don't go anywhere. Don't leave the house. It's dangerous. The big vid is out there. Even the mask might not help. But if you do go out, wear that mask. You don't want to bring it back. The vid, the vid, the vid, the vid. Fear is an overwhelming emotion, and it can be used to control populations, and that's what's being done. Mike is in uh, Silver Lake. Mike, you're on AM 1420. Hey. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call, and I appreciate your important voice, and I love your guest, Peter Kersenow and Jim Jordan and Dr. Everett Piper. Hey, my comment is this. 
there is a soft totalitarianism and increasing lawlessness that is a serious and growing problem that's destabilizing our democracy. And it's a vocal, violent minority in Antifa and BLM that want a Marxist America. And the problem is too many people in leadership, including pastors, are not standing up. And it's tantamount to surrendering is what you know, your caller and, uh, and yourself had talked about. And you saw that with the two Republicans in Wayne County, Michigan, you know, being intimidated and coerced into certifying the election. Harmeet Dillon talked about it on Tucker Carlson last night about all the attorneys and law firms that have dropped out, you know, supporting the president because of death threats and intimidation. And in the poll watchers in Philadelphia, they, are you kidding me that to not have poll watchers there? That's all, you know, it's all intimidation, and it's all, uh, it's the violence, and it's a minority. That's the, the thing that's so frustrating about it is Antifa and Black Lives Matter are very loud, and they're violent, and they're getting away with it. And, you know, there's a movie, I don't know if you ever remember it, it's called The Battle of Athens, and it's about a group of uh, citizens that took back their community they formed a militia, I believe, is that, and, and uh, if there was, you know, corruption in, in politics and so forth, and they knew it, voter fraud, and they ended up taking back their, this is decades ago that it happened, but it's worth uh, watching, and I just wonder, is it going to come down to local militias enforcing the law, you know, because of all the, this is a very effective what they're doing. Well, I would never say never. Uh, to say that that won't happen. I hope it doesn't come to that, but uh, I would not say never to that. And to your point, and thank you for the phone call, to your point about the very vocal minorities, meaning, of course, minorities in number, that is not a racial statement, the vocal minority groups that are Antifa and Black Lives Matter, you're right. They're not large in terms of, you know, 330 million people in America. But they are extraordinarily intimidating and influential, and they bring what I just got done talking about with the COVID story. They bring fear to people, not just fear of being beaten up if you go to a Trump rally, not just fear of having your home or your car vandalized if you put the wrong kind of sticker on it, fear of being branded as something that is essentially been has, has become the worst thing in the world, being branded as a bigot or a racist you understand you said that the violence that the black lives matter and antifa organizations get away with or that they commit rather they get away with and that encourages and emboldens more and you're right why are they getting away with it fear fear on the part of police to arrest these people because they will be accused of arresting and targeting black people fear of a local district attorney a prosecutor a prosecutor afraid to prosecute and charge these people and threaten with locking them up because now it's locking up black Americans again. It's just like white supremacists do. They throw the black man in jail. Fear of being called a racist for simply upholding the law. Police have it. Prosecutors have it. And elected officials have it. That's why a Raphael Warnock, the Senate candidate down in Georgia, who's a reverend, can stand before his congregation and declare white people to be the problem. To say white people need to repent their worship of whiteness and get away with it. Have you heard one person 
one person criticize or condemn him for this statement? A man who has dominated the news and poisoned the discussion for months needs to repent. Then it is doubly true that a nation that can produce such a man and make his vitriol go viral needs to repent. I don't, no matter what happens next month, more than a third of the nation that would go along with this is reason to be afraid. America needs to repent for its worship of whiteness on, on full display. This man is one runoff election from sitting in the United States Senate. He's a step away from the United States Senate, and nobody will speak out against him. You want to know why? Because of black privilege. What? Wait, what? Don't you mean white privilege? White privilege is what we're supposed to all admit and acknowledge, right? What do you mean black privilege? I mean black privilege. This man cannot be condemned or else you are a racist. Condemning his racism makes you a racist. Barack Obama enjoyed eight years of black privilege. You can't criticize his policies on taxes, climate change, immigration, foreign wars. You can't criticize his policy on any of those things because if you do, it's not about immigration, taxes, or foreign wars. You just don't want a black president. You're a racist. That's called black privilege. When I scroll through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scholarships that are listed as available for students to go to college, and every time I see one that might be appropriate for my daughter to apply for until I get to the details and it says, must be minority, scholarship available to African American, Latino, or Native American only, that's black privilege. But if I say that out loud, I'm a racist. So fear is what is driving the COVID policies and making people accept them. And fear is what is driving this. Fear of being branded as a racist for disagreeing with somebody who is of color, no matter how reprehensible what they say may be. Fear. Fear of prosecuting somebody that just assaulted somebody in a, in a street riot because the rioting is righteous if it's over George Floyd. Or Black Lives Matter. Fear of arresting and prosecuting somebody for smashing the store of a Louis Vuitton store and stealing thousands of dollars worth of goods. Because that's reparation. Those are reparations. That's all that is. For years and years and years and decades and in fact centuries of of white supremacy and attacks on blackness. So it's okay to, to let them steal. You arrest them, you charge them, you try them, you lock them up. You are a racist. Fear is driving everything that is destroying this country. I can't be more plain than that. The rest of your phone calls after this, AM 1420, the answer. One final example of what I was talking about, about fear of being called a racist. 
driving people to accept things. Yesterday in Wayne County, when the, which is the county in Michigan that had not certified the election results because of tons of irregularities, the two Republicans on the four-member board, Monica Palmer and William Hartman, originally voted no not to certify these, uh, this election because of all of the irregularities and the problems. So then they had a hearing over it, a Zoom hearing, in which they were both accused of being racist, trying to disenfranchise black voters, and in which their children were threatened with being, um, I don't know, harassed, attacked, bullied, beaten by black children in their schools. Wait, what? You, yeah. Monica... Palmer, one of the two Republicans who who originally opposed the certification of these these results over the the uh, the irregularities, was told this by Democrat Michigan Democrat Abraham Ayash when she was uh, going to not certify the results. And what that tells us is you, Miss Monica Palmer from Gross Point Woods, which has a history of racism are deciding to enable and continue to perpetuate the racist history of this country. And I want you to think about what that means for your kids who probably go to Gross Point North and when they see all their black classmates and they know that and what did you did you hear that? He told everybody on this Zoom call, and of course on the internet, where Monica Palmer's children go to school, said the name of the school and said, you better think about your kids and what's going to happen to them when they see their black classmates and they find out that their mother wouldn't certify an election result uh, because a whole lot of black voters were in it, and it's a racist decision. Immediately, Monica Palmer reversed her vote and allowed the results to be certified. She allowed the voting irregularities to go through because she was terrified of A, being called a racist, and B, having her children being attacked at school by other black or by black kids because they're going to be the children of racists. That's how dangerous this is right now. Fear is driving every decision and every bit of it is driving us toward the cliff that we will not be able to survive. Rob and Avon Lake, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, thanks very much, uh, Bob. Uh, first, DeWine closed everything. Then, mask. Now he's made a threat. So now he's pulled that back, and he's made it, and he's back down for the three-week curfew. You know what's next. You know what's next. I'm contacting Abe, uh, the uh, bishops and asking them. They've got to stand up now. It's infuriating. They've got to stand up. They've got to stand up. I'm just, they've got to stand up. Got you. Thanks, Bob. Rob, I understand your passion. I do. And, yes, you're right. They absolutely have to stand up. And they have to stand up on behalf of us. And that means we are going to have to move them. Um, AC in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, AC. Bob, concerning this uh, false prophet you just quoted a little while ago, in the uh, fifth chapter of Galatians, Paul lists 17 works of the flesh that will keep people out of heaven. Okay? And guess what? White privilege isn't one of them. 
That's interesting. Uh, thank you for the phone call. White privilege and worshiping whiteness, says Raphael Warnock. By the way, again, Raphael Warnock is is within a runoff election of sitting in one of the most 100 powerful seats in this country. The upper chamber of the United States Congress, the Senate, is the most powerful body in the government, not counting the Oval Office itself. And he is on the verge of being one of those 100, 100 people. He is a racist. He hates white people, like everybody in BLM does as well. And he is about to be handed that kind of power. And that is simply terrifying. Uh, I apologize for people, or two people rather, that I have left on hold. Uh, I did a lot of monologuing today. I had to. I felt like it was that important. I hope you uh, got something out of it. If you missed any of it, please log on to our uh, podcast page, whkradio.com. Go to the podcast page. Go to the local podcast page. Go to the Bob France Authority link and listen. And do me a favor. If there are other people you feel like who needed to hear this, uh, share that with them as well. Dr. Everett Piper joins me on tomorrow, and we'll see you then.